Yeah, yeah, yeah. I will be heckled today. I can feel that. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to start giving a brief update uh, from Santa Barbara. I think that'd be fun because a lot of you in this room prayed with us years ago now. It's going to be two years, the end of this year, that we um, moved to Santa Barbara. And so many of you prayed for us kind of approaching that and then traveled up to Santa Barbara and prayed in Santa Barbara with us. And some of those prayers are being answered. And so I just wanted to share two of those um, exciting updates. One is that we prayed into the plant, we being all of us, that, um, that in the early stages of the plant, which honestly we're still in, like it's a, to us it's a three-year, five-year, ten-year sort of deal because we've moved to an area where we know no one, and we didn't grow up there, and, and um, so it, it's going to take time. And, but one of the things that we prayed into was that as the church comes together, um, people would come to know the Lord. And one specific prayer, kind of a desire of my heart in that prayer, was that, that someone would come to know the Lord before the Sunday kind of regular you know, gathering was going, which we're not there yet. We're at about a monthly gathering right now. Um, we're not at a weekly sort of gathering. And that, that, that someone would come to know the Lord in that, and that in the culture of the church plant, that would be a thing. Um, and so a few weeks ago, I'm not going to give all the details, but it, but it was a roundabout way. Um, this guy came into our life, and uh, I could tell this guy had been through some stuff. Um, he's, when I first met him, he'd spent the night at a bus station um, and was covered in tattoos and, and ripped. And... Uh, and then uh, I figured out, I actually met him in Thousand Oaks and then figured out he lived in Santa Barbara. And so we did lunch later that week. Um, and um, I found out that this guy was on a journey and he wanted to get his life right with God. Like that was the context of, and he found me in a park in Thousand Oaks where there was a church gathering and he Googled and found this church gathering. So it was like the Holy Spirit led him and, and connected us, and he literally sat with me and had lunch and said, um, I'm on parole, I've done prison time, I have a daughter, I no longer get to see her, I've been out of jail for a year, and I want to get my life right with God, desperately. And um, so I just said, follow me. I, I essentially, like, literally shadow me. Like, he came with me to work, he, he like, started just, and, and, uh, and then we started talking, and he's going to get baptized uh, probably next Saturday. It'll be the first baptism of the church plant. Huge answered prayer. Um, our friends in Santa Barbara who are, who are already believers um, are just incredibly energized and encouraged. Like, this is new for them, um, and it's not in their context of their kind of church circles. And so, um, yeah, so it's just breathing a lot of life and energy and excitement. We're going to celebrate. We're going to do it at the beach. Um, Joe's very excited about that. He thinks baptisms are only official if they're at the beach. And um, we're going to throw a barbecue. We're going to invite all the guys. He's already got his roommate now following him. Um, his roommate's coming to some of our church stuff um, and also is exploring following Jesus. And um, we're going to invite their whole sober living home to the, to, the bar to the barbecue baptism at the beach and throw a party. And so pray for us. I think it'll be next Saturday. Um, and uh, yeah, there's, you know, there's, there's the other answered prayer 
is that I remember distinctly some of you um, and, and the Fouchés thinking back to when they moved here of people rallying around us. And we've really had amazing people rally around us. We've had one family come up to us and say, we've been looking for the type of value system in a church and in a community that you guys hold for years. And they're just so excited and um, to see what God's gonna do. Um, and so that's just huge, that's answered prayer. So thank you, keep praying. Hopefully that gives you something to continue to pray about. Um, God's opening some really awesome doors. Um, let me pray. Father, I just thank you for this time, Lord. Um, we've spent, I think it's been six weeks uh, in worship. I say we because I've been connecting through the podcast um, and in spirit, uh, Lord, with what's going on here. But um, Lord, we desire to worship you, Lord, with everything we've got. Um, and I pray that you'd speak through me. We welcome your spirit here, Lord. We welcome your presence. Um, we, we open our, our ears and our minds and our hearts to your truth, Lord. Thank you for what you're doing. Amen. So I'm going to say we because I've been connecting through the podcast. Thank you for those of you that make that possible. Um, we've heard all through the context of, of, of worship that worship is much more than singing. Um, and we've spoken on worship, and I, I'd be curious to just pause for a second here, and you don't have to, like, give me feedback verbally, but I'd love for you to think for just a moment about what, what you've heard, what's been impactful that you've heard, what you've implemented or you're considering implementing into your life over this series, and just think about that for a second. We had, um, I think it was uh, Moon... Is he not here? Oh, I can't bust his chops. We've had, we had Moon kind of start us out with the shrewd manager um, and, uh, and just unpack this parable. And then Alan Frau came in about um, untapping the well and, and rest and Sabbath. And then um, and Matt Larson spoke on generosity as a lifestyle, like generosity of our heart, not just the money thing. Um, and then Terry came in with uh, gratitude and... Out of his foolishness, he picked me to come in and clean up after a lineup of speakers that, like, I totally aspire to hope, hopefully speak like someday. Um, and so we've gone through all of these things. And rather than me coming in at the end and introducing, like, introducing a whole new aspect of worship or, as I would more typically feel comfortable with, taking a text and just unpacking the, the, that text, I'm going to go the angle of... Um, and you know what? I'm actually going to also set my timer. I'm going to go the angle of um, three obstacles, three challenges that we face as we walk out this kind of series, as we walk out this lens. I heard that wording used, this lens of worship that we're giving it. As we walk that out, three obstacles, three challenges that we will face as we walk this out. To preface it, um, I'd like to tell a story and a bit of analogy of, of, of my heart, of the human heart. And essentially, uh, when I was 12 years old, uh, my dad took me fishing. We lived in Milwaukee on Lake Michigan. And we went out on this boat. It was like a friend's boat. And we were fishing for salmon. And 
um, we had like an amazing day fishing. And I caught, I think, one of the biggest fish I've ever caught. And um, we we're about to head back. The sun's setting, and an incredibly heavy fog sat, just came in, like, and it came in fast. Like, it felt like it just dropped out of the sky. And, um, and we, we knew that we needed to head west, and we had a compass in the front of the boat. And so we checked the compass, um, and the compass is just kind of spinning. Like, it's not working at all. And this fog, literally, we could see three feet in front of us. And we could hear massive boats, like shipping tankers, moving in, like, like just making their different noises that they make. And I, as a 12-year-old, thinking how deep the water was, I was horrified. I was absolutely horrified. And, um, and you know, I think my dad and, and his friend were totally trying to, like, play it cool while just completely sweating bullets. And so we're navigating and trying to get west. We knew that the port was west of us, and you can see three feet. And so we're, we're, we're you know, and the guy's, like, hitting the compass and trying to figure out. And, and fortunately, there was a foghorn. And so we started following that and just listening and following that and listening and following that, and we made it in. Um, and, you know, the interesting thing about a compass is a compass has, it's, it's operated by a magnetic pull. There's a magnetic pull of the North Pole or, you know, um, and, and the compass, the, the arrow points north when you're due north. And so you can navigate from there. The problem with a compass is two things. One is it can become, like, discombobulated. Two is that it can, it can, that magnetic pull can be attracted to other things, to metal. Like if you put your compass on the back of a um, GPS, for example, that will totally mess up your compass if there's any metal in the GPS. So it's, it's drawn magnetically. Similarly, our hearts are drawn, and there's a magnetic pull. And so I wanted to kind of go through these three things as, as a way of, of pulling back the magnetic pull of our hearts to point due north. So the first of those would be our priorities can often become self-focused over God's heart of generous mercy, justice, and help to the poor. Let's start at Amos, Amos 5, which I, I believe Alan Frau mentioned briefly. Amos 5, 23. There we go. Can I, um, I can take this off, right? Amos 5, 23. Take away from me the noise of your songs. Now, this is Amos speaking prophetically. Take away from me the noise of your songs. To the melody of your harps, I will not listen. And then 24. But let justice roll down like the waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. And what God is saying here is essentially, if you are just singing songs and, you, and your life is not reflecting my heart for justice, my heart for mercy, my heart for the poor, I'm actually going to put my fingers in my ears and not listen to your songs. It was like a correction. It's a very challenging correction that, again, takes my heart and helps it line up with where God's heart is going. In um, Matthew 25, verse 31, let's go there. And this is Jesus, and I don't even know that I can give it the weight that Jesus gives it. Matthew 25, 31, Jesus is giving a, a bit of a, a prophetic picture. He's giving a picture 
of his second coming. Okay, so he says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. And he starts describing his judgment that's going to happen. So jump to verse 34. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until... Uh, is that Matthew 25, 34? Either, I might have messed up that. Matthew 25, 34. I can read it if... Yes, that's it. Thank you. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you, are you, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to the one of the least of, my, of these my brothers, you did it to me. So it's perfectly clear through Amos, through these, through these ancient prophets, and through many of them in the Old Testament, and then to this picture that Jesus gives, that the weight that God puts into his heart for mercy and for justice, that he says it's to the degree that when you do that, when you, when you, when you reach out to these people, you're actually serving me. He puts all of his chips right in that pocket, in this picture. And it's, it's challenging, and it's awesome at the same time. It's an expression of worship. And I think it's actually something we have to fight for, to be honest with you, because my point here was that our priorities often become self-focused. That's where the, the needle gets off, and we actually have to fight for this like we're fighting for time with Jesus, because that's essentially what he's saying it is. I believe we have to pray for it. We have to pray, God, open doors. And don't just open doors. Like, I'm not going to just sit here on my chair and say open doors. Actually, open my eyes. Because there's things, there's people right in front of me. So open my eyes. And then step out. Actually, just step out. Even if a door doesn't open or your eyes don't open, just step out. Because it's clear in his word. Step out and take risks. I have, um, some of you maybe even heard about this, but, but Rachel was driving um, on her way to Trader Joe's, and she was listening to some old stories of um, Mueller, George Mueller. And George Mueller was in the, I think, 1800s in Britain, and this, this man laid down his life and believed God for big things and, like, changed the way orphan care is done, essentially, in Britain. And, um, and just, like, started giving orphans a home and an education and, like, 
and started like hundreds of orphanages. And these stories of his life are like just incredible, very dramatic. And she's with the kids and they're listening to some of these stories on their way to Trader Joe's. And she's like all teary eyed and they're pulling into Trader Joe's. And there's this guy in the parking lot in Trader Joe's and he's all tattered and, and, you know, homeless looking and and he's like was he like rummaging through like he was picking up some trash and like he's over here doing this thing and Rachel pulls up in 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 the minivan and starts putting her window down and she's all soft and and she says um excuse me um I'm about to go into uh, Trader Joe's can I get you something and he turns and he looks at her and he's just like angry and he's like man I work here (laughs) <laughs> I think I think she saw like did he have like a little Trader Joe's shirt or something and and Rachel just kind of puts the window up and like you know like just like goes to Vaughn's and um no she actually went inside and and you know and she went up to like the Trader Joe's counter and excuse me does that guy uh you know you like asked him you're right does that person work here and and they, they were kind of like, yeah, yeah, kind of or something. Like maybe they hire him on the side or I don't know. Anyways, step out and take risks. And it's not always going to go well. Just like be prepared. It's going to be ugly. You're gonna, and then other situations, you're going to get used and abused. And so did Jesus. Find your strength in him. All right. Number two. We try to schedule in worship. We try to schedule in worship. Now, I'm all for scheduling in practices. We've talked a lot about practices of of Sabbath, Sabbath rest. I'm all about scheduling in Sabbath rest. I've actually, I've been on a one-year journey of struggling to get Sabbath to work. And And I'm realizing more and more that to get it to work, to get rest to actually work in the season of life I'm in, I actually have to plan for it. Like I would a Thanksgiving meal or like I would having, you know, a party. I actually need to think it through. Like, how can I do that well? How can I do it so that I'm not just running to the grocery store? Or, you know, maybe I need some time off kids and she needs some time off kids. Or, you know, during that Sabbath rest. Or maybe we need to just put all the screens and lock them up in a closet. And whatever it looks like, I actually have to plan and think about it. So I'm all about scheduling in these things. I'm all about scheduling in um, generosity and actually thinking ahead and planning for it. Gratefulness maybe having a journal or ending the day with my kids and listing what we're thankful for. I'm all about scheduling in fasting and justice and poverty. And I actually would challenge that we look at our schedule and if those things are values, those things that I started off and I said, what are the things you're taking away from these series? What what are the values you're taking away? What are the lenses that you're actually changing And defining those as your big rocks and actually putting them into your schedule. Because if it's not in your schedule, it's probably not going to happen. And and that may not be true for you, but think of what your values are in, in these things that we're talking about. Look back at the past week or the past month and did they happen? Were they big rocks? Were they like blocked out the way other things are blocked out? You know, the way your hair appointment's blocked out, Dan. You know, 
I'm always asking Dan for barber advice, but um, <clears throat> I've moved towns, so it's not working. Um, but yeah, the way things are, the way things are blocked out, make it your big rocks, and then all the other things that come is like the sand that, that's going to fill in. The problem is I'm often not putting in the big rocks, so the sand fills my schedule, and there's no room for the big values. And my week goes by, and I look back, and I think, I didn't do it. I value it above anything else, but I didn't do it. So I'm all for scheduling. Brian Moon, when he talked about the shrewd living, he asked this question, how do you maximize your life in the way of the kingdom? What are our, so I would say, what are our priorities? And actually say that our most precious resource that we're to be shrewd over is our time. Because you don't get more of it, right? But I think that the, the challenge here is that we actually try to schedule in worship. So we get in the mindset that, that worship is another thing that I have to fit into my busy schedule right? And we all know you have busy schedules, like you're not ready to fit another thing into your busy schedule. But I would, I would actually give pushback and say that walking out worship does not um, depend as much on changing activities as it does on doing them for God rather than doing them for ourselves. I'm going to unpack that. That we can actually find God in the ordinary rhythms of our life. Our daily schedule can unite us with God just as much as our quiet time can. In our minds, we look at our schedule and we may be jumping from spiritual activities, this, to unspiritual activities when you go home and it's time to swift the floor, right? So spiritual to non-spiritual. In our mind, we may be segmenting that. But reality is singing worship songs or doing what we're doing right now can be no more spiritual than taking out the garbage at 10 o'clock tonight. Both are activities in which the heart can be engaged on itself rather than on God. For example, I often catch myself singing worship and thinking about What's next? What am I eating afterwards? What, what am I doing today? What about that thing at work? My heart is not there. But I can then later that night go to take out the trash and stop and look up at the stars, which are easier to see where I live, <laughs> drop the trash and think, oh, God. God. You are so amazing. You are so wonderful. You are so creative. You are so powerful. I am so grateful. In the midst of having a rough day, that moment of taking out the trash become more spiritual and more unifying with my heart with God than the entire spiritual activities of the previous week. Brother Lawrence many of you have heard of, was a monk. A few hundred years ago, he had the very non-spiritual task of washing up at the monastery that he lived, the dishes. He was the dish guy. He was the busboy at the monastery. 
That was his job. And he wrote a book called Practicing the Presence of God. Now, you'd think with a title like Practicing the Presence of God that when you got this book, you're going to be reading about praying and fasting and worshiping and studying the word. But when you get the book, you're reading about washing dishes. Because Brother Lawrence found that that, his daily ordinary work, was his most effective way to worship God. Isn't that challenging? And so everything we've been going through, bringing it into a context of practicing the presence of God. Ephesians 5.18. This is going to bring me to my... This is kind of wrapping up number two and bring us into number three. Ephesians 5.18. And do not get drunk with wine. We've read this one in the series as well. For that is debauchery, but... Be filled with the Spirit. Keep going. I think this verse keeps going. Continues on. If it's stuck, I can read. (laughs) It's stuck. No problem. Ephesians 5.18 but be filled with the Spirit. Oh, I'm sorry. It, it's 19, so I messed you up. It, it goes from 18 to 19. I think it, I told you just 18. Yeah, okay. So, nine, and then it goes on to 19. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and make melody to the Lord with your heart. So it's talking about this in the context of being filled with the Spirit. So with a fully developed lens... For worship, we get away from looking at our outward actions, which I just talked about, and we start becoming directors of our heart's desires. We don't do spiritual things. We face our days spirit-filled, or we won't. So that brings me to my third third challenge that we face is that going through the motions of my life and not yielding to the way of the Spirit. Because when we're yielding to the way of the Spirit, we're going to be able to be filled with the Spirit and go through these motions and worship. So we don't do spiritual things. We seek daily to be Spirit-filled. Romans 8.11 All right, that one worked. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in us. That same power, that dunamis power, the power that took Jesus's dead body, and brought it back to life, dwells in us. And it says that that brings divine, it's this divine resurrection life of Jesus into the life of us. So in my daily, in my weekly, in my monthly, quarterly, annual rhythms of life, I'm actually looking for a practice where I can be filled with the Spirit. 
where I can be filled with that life. And that might mean absolutely some of these practices. It could be solitude. It could One that I'm trying to implement now is I want to go away overnight, modeling Jesus, going away overnight for prayer. Whether If that means setting a tent up on the beach, um, whatever, or in one of your backyards, whatever it's going to take that I could go away and that Rachel could do the same, that I could provide that for her and that that, that would be a rhythm and that, that I would be filled with the Spirit, that I would have these these disciplines. And then in worship, what we can see is that in worship, we, per, we participate in this, this yielding, in this almost death as we enter into worship. And then resurrection life to the full through the infilling of the Spirit. So as you enter, let me bring it down even to just street level. As, you, as Brother Lawrence enters in to washing the dishes, he dies a little bit inside. He yields a little bit inside and says, oh God, I'm in a monastery. I'm a monk and my life calling is washing dishes. I'm going to die to my way right now and fill me with your spirit. And in that moment, he yields and he's full of the spirit and he can respond with this life-giving power in worship while washing the dishes in a monastery. Do you see that? That's what we're after. It's so good. I want more of that. All right, Matthew 26. I'm going to take us home with Jesus walking this out in Matthew 26. And I'm going to go there too. I'm going to go Matthew 26, verse 36. I'm going, to read, I'm going to read 36 through 39. All right. Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful. Sorrowful. I can't say that. Sorrowful. Here we go. Just sounds weird. Um, Even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. So we're seeing a picture here of Jesus yielding and actually dying in the garden before he dies on the cross. He'd already died to his way in the garden before he died to his way on the cross. And what's amazing about this, I actually have a hard time getting my head around it because because we have Jesus, the Son of God, divinity and humanity together, who said to us, when you see me, I'm doing the will of my Father. So his will is my will. My words are actually his words. And so we, we, we know that about Jesus, that whatever his Father wanted, he did it. 
and it brought him joy. But actually, today, in this verse, we're seeing him asking his father, is there another way? It's somehow even encouraging to me that that Jesus here had a way he was thinking this could go that was different than the way the father had planned for it to go, that he was struggling with it. We actually get a glimpse of Jesus struggling. And then he eventually dies to his way, and he chooses the pathway of life through his father. For me to prepare your lens for worship is for me to prepare you to worship when it's not your way. For me to prepare your lens to walk all of this out that we've talked about for six weeks, for me to prepare you and say, let's do this, is for me to prepare you to do it when it's not your way. And that's what Jesus is modeling here. So Jesus knows the will of the Father, and he's doing the will of the Father, but he's asking, is there another way? And he's going back and forth with this conversation with his father, and he's going over, and these guys keep falling asleep. And he's, like, <laughs> he's getting irritated. I've read it. Actually, you've got to go and read it sometime in the message translation. Eugene Peterson adds some fun language to it. But, but he's just like, you know, he's getting, he's getting irritated, and, and, he, and he keeps going back, and he actually does it. And let's read um, verse 39, where I left off. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it's possible... Let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to his disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, So could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And he's going back, and, and he's going back. He goes back. Three times. It says the third time. Have you ever like prayed for something and, and God kind of, maybe the first time you prayed, God showed you like, or you kind of knew like what, what his will was, but then you go back a second time just to make sure. And, and then he doesn't say anything. And you're like, well, let's just try a third time and go back a third time. And it's like the first time still stands. And, and, and you just, you see Jesus struggling with this, but it's actually encouraging. And it's a way This is the way that we can walk into worship, that when you just kind of enter and there's a little bit of death, there's a little bit of, there's a yielding. Yielding's a prettier word, but ultimately I'm just like, ah, it's dying. Um, And you go in and you encounter life. So in summary, the challenges we face to walk this out our first, making God's heart for justice and mercy our heart over being self-focused in a culture that's just going to constantly barrage us with self-focus, self-realization, self, etc. Secondly, not scheduling worship, but living it during non-spiritual daily rhythms. Growing in it. That's actually something we can grow in. In, in. in approaching the non-spiritual side of your schedule, of your rhythms, 
and finding ways to incorporate the wonder, the majesty, the generosity, the, the gratitude that comes with the infilling of the Spirit and a revelation of who Jesus is. So that's thirdly, yielding to the infilling of the Spirit, His way above our own. Let's pray. Father, we're so grateful for your mercy. This talk challenges me to the core. Lord, um, it challenges us as your church, as, um, as people who are struggling at times to direct a heart that wants to just go astray. Lord, I pray you would help us, that you would fill us with your spirit. Why don't you stand with me? Father, we just take this moment, and Buzz, you're welcome to join us as we enter into worship, and Terry's hopefully going to, awesome. Terry's going to do communion here. But Lord, we, we take this moment to not just reflect, to absolutely do that, but to ask that you would fill us, Lord, with your spirit, that your grace and your wisdom would enable us to see areas in our lives where we need to yield, where we, where, where we need to, to die, so that your resurrection life that comes, as we read in Romans, that comes from the, from the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, Lord, that you would raise us from the dead. Bring that life, Lord. Breathe that life into us. Thank you, God.